I'm Chloe Gio, and you're listening to On God's Campus, Voices from the Queer Underground, a podcast about white Christian supremacy and being queer on the most conservative campuses in the country. Think of me as your guide and translator as we explore the carefully constructed subculture of religious education. Joining me are co-hosts Paul Carlos Southwick, our resident legal expert and historian, and Aaron Green, our biblical scholar. What you will find here is a roadmap to change from the underbelly of the church's best kept secrets. On November 29th, 1984, when I was less than a year old, a man named Gregory Johnson, who was a student at Lincoln Christian College between 1976 and 1981, sued the school because it refused to grant him his diploma. Johnson had enrolled at Lincoln Christian for a career in teaching sacred music. Johnson completed all of his course requirements and fully paid his tuition for each year. So why would the school refuse to grant him the diploma he earned and paid for? Well, the college based its refusal on a charge that Johnson might be a homosexual. The charge of homosexuality arose because another student reported him to admin. Christian schools and colleges often encourage students to report on each other for morality violations as a form of accountability. This culture of snitching makes it hard for LGBTQ students to trust people and keeps them in the closet. For Johnson, based solely in response to the other student's accusation, and without further investigation, Lincoln Christian told Johnson that he would graduate only if he sought counseling to overcome his homosexuality. Because Johnson was afraid that he would not graduate unless he complied with the college's demands, Johnson attended the counseling sessions. These counseling sessions are a form of ex-gay therapy, also known as conversion therapy. The schools might call these counseling sessions by another name now, now that ex-gay therapy is illegal in many states and widely condemned as a dangerous and discredited practice. But these counseling sessions still happen in churches and religious schools and colleges throughout the country. These kinds of counseling sessions are extremely dangerous and sometimes deadly. I know. I went through them. But even Johnson's attempt at ex-gay therapy, which put his own health and life in danger, were not enough for Lincoln Christian. Johnson's counselor reported to the college's admin that Johnson had not changed and was not progressing. As a result, Lincoln Christian informed Johnson that it would hold a hearing in less than 24 hours at which Johnson would be required to defend himself against the rumor that he was a homosexual. Lincoln Christian went so far as to tell Johnson that he would be expelled because of his alleged homosexuality, quote, and that the reason for his dismissal would be stamped across his transcript. As with many queer, trans, and non-binary students before and after Johnson, he feared the repercussions of being outed. So Johnson withdrew from Lincoln Christian rather than risk the school imprinting the word homosexual on his transcript. 
but even that was not enough punishment for Johnson in the eyes of Lincoln Christian. The college went ahead and held the threatened hearing in Johnson's absence. The college even called Johnson's mother and told her that Lincoln Christian was dismissing Johnson because he was a homosexual. And years later, Lincoln Christian still refused to grant Johnson a diploma. Forty years after Johnson's dismissal, Lincoln Christian College, now Lincoln Christian University, did it again. This time to a trans woman named Kaylee. Kaylee testified at a preliminary injunction hearing in federal court in November of 2021 about her experiences with discrimination. Here is her story. Hi, my name is Kaylee Hargrove. I grew up in Southern Oregon and went to Boise Bible College in Idaho. I later wanted to pursue my Master's of Divinity, so I went to Lincoln Christian University for that because it's affiliated with my religious tradition, which is the Independent Christian Church. Independent Christian churches are theologically conservative, autonomous churches. They have no denominational authority or central headquarters. Their theological beliefs are non-credal and allow churches to differ on issues that are deemed non-essential. Lincoln Christian University has a statement of faith on its website. Gender identity and expression are not mentioned at all. And so, actually, I went to Lincoln Christian University in 2009, and I did three semesters there, but unfortunately, the economy and the fact that I had recently gotten married and we had recently had a kid, it was not easy to stay in school and support my family. So I left Lincoln and I joined the Air Force and I spent just under nine years in the Air Force. Starting in 2019, I began taking classes at Lincoln Christian again. I took two classes while I was still in the military for both the fall semester and the spring semester. And then I actually left the military a year early on my contract because I left as a conscientious objector. As someone who served in the US military, Kaylee had access to the GI Bill to pay for college. And Kaylee used the GI Bill to pay for her education at Lincoln Christian. Then in the summer of 2019, after, I mean, it was after a very long process of evaluating what I believed, looking at the Bible, understanding what I understood of human gender and sexuality. And like after an incredibly long process that summer, I finally accepted the fact that I was transgender. For many of us, figuring out our gender identity or sexual orientation can be hard and is often delayed. We don't often have enough information or experience to know until we are already in college. That was true for me. It wasn't until my senior year, when I was 21 years old. There was a lot going on at that time just because of that. Because my wife and I had our entire like relationship thinking that we were, you know, cisgender, heterosexual, and that's just, it, it wasn't true. So they're like, obviously the relationship between my wife and I somewhat changed, not actually terribly much, but I think there was a lot of worry that there was going to be a lot of change for my kids. It was confusing for them at first. But like, honestly, my kids have been some of the most supportive and easiest to understand. But one of the biggest stressors between me and my wife, or not necessarily between us, but like for us, is the fact that we both 
come from incredibly conservative families. For my relationship with my parents, it started to feel almost like relationships have, have an expiration date. And we were worried that that was true. And when I came out to them, it proved to be right. And it wasn't only Kaylee's parents who she feared might reject her. She feared Lincoln Christian University's reaction as well. So the school found out that I'm transgender and that I made the decision to transition. And they simply sent me an email giving me basically an ultimatum of either I drop out within that grace period of the semester where I can drop out and not be charged for the credits, or I could stay in the semester, face charges, and I mean, essentially, reading between the lines, be kicked out because I'm transgender. Kaylee remembers exactly where she was the moment she received that email from Lincoln Christian. She was sitting in the parking lot of her oldest kid's school. The email said, Notice of charge, as in a disciplinary charge for being transgender. At first, Kaylee went numb. But after driving home and putting her kids to bed, she broke down and wept. For me, to go in and face a disciplinary committee that's already decided that because I'm transgender, I shouldn't exist at their school. Like, there's no winning that. And to enter that type of situation would have been detrimental to my to my mental health on top of having to deal with being kicked out of school for who, for being who I am in the first place. As a biblical scholar, I can tell you that the biblical text never condemns trans people or excludes them from the church. Conservative religious schools and denominations have to try really hard to twist the text and are grasping at straws, really, to find a biblical justification for rejecting trans people. And as a campus organizer, I can tell you that the Inquisition Lincoln Christian put Kaylee through is devastating for a student, not only robbing them of their education, but destabilizing their sense of self. So, in essence, this school kicking me out and being like, no, you're no longer welcome here. It's not just losing my school, like it's losing my entire tradition that I've had for over 30 years. And just in one letter, they were able to take who I am, everything that I've done, reduce it down to you have chosen. They're not even dealing with me as a person. They're dealing with me as an issue. People are not issues. And so, like, facing that, I really didn't have a choice other than to drop out because, you know, I don't necessarily have a few thousand dollars laying around. Like I said, my education was being funded by the Montgomery GI Bill, which means I pay for school and then the VA pays me. However, if I don't finish this semester, I have to pay back all the money that the VA gives me. Kaylee joined the class action civil rights lawsuit I filed against the U.S. Department of Education. In that lawsuit, we are challenging the legitimacy of a broad religious exemption to Title IX that allows religious schools and colleges to discriminate against LGBTQ students and to punish people for having abortions, all while receiving taxpayer money. You know, I actually thought Title IX protected people. I saw, I, I knew 
Lincoln was a Title IX school. I've read their language on discrimination. Unfortunately, a lot of schools will say, we don't illegally discriminate. Yeah, that's misleading because they legally discriminate. There is a legal way for them to discriminate against people like me. This is white Christian supremacy in action. Religious schools like Lincoln Christian use government money to maintain the power and supremacy of certain harmful religious beliefs and practices concerning gender, race, and sexual orientation, beliefs created by white cishet men. Through the religious exemption to Title IX and unlimited access to government money, these religious schools are able to place their religious beliefs and practices above the civil and human rights, bodily autonomy, and even safety of people like Kaylee, who are beautifully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Kaylee is one of over 40 plaintiffs who are trying to put a stop to this through Paul's class action lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Education. They argue something pretty simple. If you take the public money, you need to follow the public laws. They argue that the broad religious exemption to Title IX undermines their constitutional right to the equal protection of the laws and the Constitution's guarantee of the separation of church and state which should prohibit the government from handing out funding and literal licenses to discriminate to religious schools that expel or harass LGBTQ plus students. I traveled the country by car in early 2021 to secretly meet with students and alumni of religious colleges all over the country who experienced the kind of discrimination that Kaylee experienced at Lincoln Christian. Over the course of two months and 10,000 miles, Students came forward. They told me their stories of being LGBTQ plus at a non-affirming religious college. They shared with me on campus at BYU in Utah and Dort University in Iowa, in public parks near Asbury University in Kentucky, and a public library in Nebraska near York College, in hotel conference rooms at Liberty University in Virginia and Baylor University in Texas in workshare offices in Chicago near Moody Bible Institute, and in Manhattan near Nyack College, and at my alma mater, George Fox University in Oregon. They came from everywhere, hungry to be seen, to be loved, and to be vindicated. You might still be wondering why a queer, trans, or non-binary student would want to go to one of these schools in the first place. And I hear this question all of the time as an organizer working with students on the ground. The answer is actually pretty straightforward. LGBTQ plus students exist in every family and every community, whether extremely religious or not. LGBTQ plus students go to religious schools because they or their families are very religious. Some of us went to these schools because we were taught that education is a tool to use against a godless, secular society, not a place to expand our understanding of science, history, or politics. Our schools and colleges were for indoctrination and battle readiness, not education. There are other reasons, too. Sometimes a student's parent works at the school or their siblings went there, or their pastor told them to apply. Sometimes the religious schools are cheaper, give good scholarships, 
or are the only schools their parents will let them go to. Sometimes LGBTQ students are not sure of their sexuality or gender identity when they're high schoolers applying to college. And sometimes the religious school makes them think that the schools will be a safe place for them because they advertise their diversity and inclusion efforts. Regardless of how and why we end up at these schools, once we are there, the beautiful and happy campus image that was advertised to us can quickly devolve into a nightmare. That was true for Elizabeth at Bob Jones University. Elizabeth became a student at Bob Jones in 2015. As far back as I can remember, I wanted to go to school. And my parents had kind of downplayed my college ideas. When I was 17, I said, I want to go to college. My dad said, well, in the Bible, Israelites could go to war when they were 21. And going to college is like going to war because you're fighting in a culture war. Elizabeth lived in foster care until the age of 10. She was then placed with a family and grew up in Texas as part of a fundamentalist Christian cult called IBLP, which is most well known for the Duggar family of the TV show 19 Kids and Counting. You may have most recently heard of them from the Amazon docu-series Shiny Happy People. So I looked into Bob Jones and I saw a video of their student life. It was a video of a week in a life at Bob Jones. It was kind of like a vlog. And it was so captivating to me because it looked just like independent adults doing their own thing. And I wanted independence so badly from my parents, so I applied and I was accepted. At first, things were pretty great for Elizabeth at Bob Jones. She had more freedom than she had ever experienced. She was away from her controlling parents and the fundamentalist cult she grew up in. She wasn't sure if she was gay at that time, but she started to think of herself as not heterosexual. One day, Elizabeth quietly came out to a friend she knew who was bisexual. And this friend was super excited for me. They started a group text with people who had grown up in really conservative communities just like mine. They texted the group, hey y'all, this is Elizabeth, she's gay, she's looking for friends. I got this text in the middle of Bible conference, which is super weird because everyone around me was really into worshiping Jesus and there was a sermon going on and I'm looking down at my phone that says Elizabeth's gay. And it felt like a small victory in the middle of this really religious worship service. At the time, I was too scared to even think maybe I'm bisexual. It was really terrifying to say the words out loud. I hadn't had the words to even think about what I could be or labeling myself. And then I got this text, Elizabeth's gay, and it felt like a victory. Later on that week, I was in my dorm room and I was listening to a Tiny Revolution podcast. It's from Kevin Garcia. And I basically binge listened the entire podcast that semester. So here I am folding, doing my laundry, and I just kept repeating in my to myself in like this quiet, giddy way, I think I'm gay. And I kept saying the words a lot, and it was like an extreme high. And from January to May, that entire semester, I just felt this rush of happiness every time I would look down at my phone and see that text. Elizabeth's gay, and I would look at it in class or in chapel sermons or even at church, and it felt like somebody knew me for the first time really ever in my life. I felt emotionally complete because I had the words to describe what I had felt for years but had not been able to say out loud because now I knew I'm gay. Elizabeth started exploring queer culture, including social media, books, and movies. These days, 
with social media and streaming services, it's impossible to keep us sheltered from queer life forever. I mean, Heartstopper, anyone? We are even part of the Christian music scene now. Lots of us are listening to Semler. They are the first openly queer artists to reach number one on the Christian music charts. And this year, Flamey Grant, a Christian drag queen, hit number one with her queer-affirming worship song. Elizabeth, like many of us, sought out these artists and stories. So there was a lot of funny experiences that spring um, that were really meaningful to me. And one of them that's kind of funny, but really good was Love, Simon came out in theaters and it happened right at spring break. It had come out for like a month uh, before I could see it over spring break. And I couldn't go to the movie with people because it's a very gay movie and I couldn't ask any of my friends to go with me. So instead, I told my friends I'm going to go to church, which actually I went to the movies instead. And I watched it at like 11 a.m. in this tiny little theater in the middle of South Carolina. I was the only person in the whole room watching it. And that was like a euphoric experience. Everybody thought I was at church. <laughs> Instead, uh, I was at Love, Simon. And for some reason, that just added to the whole joy of watching that movie. But then, as if waking her from the euphoric days she was experiencing as a baby gay, something happened to Elizabeth that changed the course of her life forever. So at three o'clock, I go to my professor's office and we walk over to the Dean of Students office and it was really miserably cold. It's Friday. I walk in and the Dean of Students was so serious and he said, we've got to pray. And I thought, okay, I don't even remember if I closed my eyes because at this point, I'm not really into praying all the time, like all the professors at Bob Jones. So I let him do his prayer thing and I'm sitting there. And the first thing he says to me is, Elizabeth, what do you think of Bob Jones? And I thought, what do you mean? And he said, what do you think of Bob Jones University? And I said, well, you want me to be honest, then a lot of people here don't accept me. Being called into the dean's office is a common experience for many LGBTQ students at religious schools and colleges. We get called in all the time. And it's scary because the administrators have power over our housing, financial aid, jobs, and degrees. Remember Lincoln Christian? They can literally withhold your degree just for being gay or trans. As I'm sitting there, he says, interesting, interesting. It was like my answer didn't even land with this man. So then he opens his side drawer and I am completely confused. I think, what's going on? And he pulls out a manila envelope. And I thought, what is, could be in this manila envelope? And then he opens it and he said, well, we've become aware. And he pulls out this sheaf of papers, this thick sack of papers, and it's everything I've ever said on Twitter. They've screenshotted and printed my entire Twitter timeline. They printed all of my tweets. There were a lot of tweets in that manila envelope, but one of them really caught the eye of the Dean. It said, quote, evangelicalism is a garbage can full of trash. It needs to be set on fire. Elizabeth was obviously making a critique of evangelicalism and not advocating arson, but the dean took her seriously and said, are you advocating for someone to come to Bob Jones and set our school on fire? Moving on from the arson scare, the dean proceeded to ask Elizabeth about love stories. Elizabeth had been reading and writing love stories with queer characters in them. 
So, so the dean, he holds up my tweet about this and he says, are you writing a homosexual love story? And he then goes on to say, when I sit there in silence, you must be a homosexual to write about homosexuals. But Elizabeth's tweets wouldn't have been the first time that the dean had read about a homosexual love story. Do you all remember David and Jonathan? In 1 Samuel 18, 1-4, the Bible says, quote, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Or how about Ruth and Naomi? In Ruth 1, 16-17, Ruth tells Naomi, quote, Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. The Bible is full of love stories, including queer love. But the dean didn't talk about that when confronting Elizabeth about her tweets. He continued to press me on this. What did I believe about gay marriage? And he said, we all know if you're going to go on Twitter and say, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and LGBTQ people must be saved and renounce their lifestyles, then we know that you are not believing in heresy. If you can't do that, then I have no proof that you have repented of these false teachings. And I stared at him. I had no answer because there was no way I was going to go on Twitter and say this because there was no way I believed this. So I just stared at him and he said, are you willing to do that? And my reply was no. That was a strong but dangerous refusal on Elizabeth's part. It could have gotten her expelled right then and there. In fact, the dean said that he had every legal right to expel Elizabeth. But instead of expelling her, he said he was going to help her. And here is what that help looked like. It included placing Elizabeth on disciplinary probation which meant that she had to go to three required counseling sessions. She was also stripped of all extracurricular activities. She was fired from her internship with the campus media department. I had to pay a fine. I think it was $75, but it was not just a fine. It was the whole concept of I was on disciplinary probation. And I had to sign paperwork that I understood why I was doing this, that I had agreed to pay this fine and accept this discipline. But perhaps what hurt most of all was the rejection and abandonment Elizabeth felt in the fallout of her coming out while a student at Bob Jones. And that feeling of abandonment hurts, whether you've been abandoned by your church community. Once I came out, I lost all of these friends. And for some people, I've had to set a boundary because those people would constantly preach at me that I'm wrong for being gay. So I can't be friends with them anymore. And then there's the further abandonment by my own college. I graduated from Bob Jones, but I'm not a Bob Jones alumni. They don't want to claim me because I'm not a good alumni because I'm gay and I don't represent the school the way they want. So they kind of just cut me out of it. Bob Jones University has been doing this for a long time. On October 25th, 1998, the New York Times ran a headline, 
Christian University bars visits by its gay alumni. The article described how Bob Jones threatened to have its gay alumni arrested for trespassing. A letter from a university official told a gay alumnus that, quote, as long as you are living as a homosexual, you, of course, would not be welcome on the campus. In episode two, we talked about whites-only religious schools, like Bob Jones, being called segregation academies. To segregate means to set apart from the rest or from each other, isolate or divide. It also means to cut out, to erase, to ban from campus. Bob Jones University is still a segregation academy, just with a new target. White Christian supremacy continues to control many Christian spaces, targeting new communities in the name of Christ. But white cisgender Christian men no longer hold the exclusive power to interpret the Bible. Trans Christians like Kaylee and queer and non-binary Christians like Chloe and me are exposing the social prejudice that has infected the ways our elders taught us to read the Bible. White Christian supremacy was the beginning of our stories, but it is not the end. And this is not the end of Elizabeth's story. I don't want to be defined by my trauma. I want to be defined by my own optimism in spite of it and by the love I have for other people. Elizabeth now shares her stories of coming out of her religious cult, her experiences at Bob Jones University, being a dog mom, travel, dating, and her new life as a queer person through social media, including with her 150,000 followers on TikTok. We'll post her handles in the show notes. Elizabeth also authored her first novel, Hearts of Clay and Tempest, which you can find on Amazon. And yes, it is a queer story, a queer retelling of the mermaid story. Elizabeth is also part of a growing community and movement of LGBTQ students from conservative Christian schools and colleges across the country. She is raising her voice along with a new generation that is in school now. For now, We'll leave you with this. The setting is Elizabeth and her classmates in a public relations class being taught by a Bob Jones University administrator. They are talking about how the university has dealt with bad PR from its anti-LGBTQ policies. One student in class is not afraid to ask the question everyone is thinking, but no one else is asking. And the administrator's response will surprise you. So one of the students asks, how does Bob Jones defend his anti-LGBTQ plus policy? Like, how do we talk about this today? And I don't want to say his name, but our professor answered and said, it's part of our biblical values. The school has a right to exercise our biblical values. And someone in the class said, well, right now people would call that discrimination. And the professor acknowledges that. He says, we went all the way to the Supreme Court to discriminate against racial inter- interracial dating because Bob Jones banned interracial dating almost its entire history. And he said, that was a mistake. The school had no biblical grounds to stand on that. And we risked everything on that and we lost. And he said, and the shocking thing to me is he then said, today we're going to have a lot of trouble when we're asked about our biblical values and preventing LGBTQ students on campus because we said the same thing with interracial dating. 
Yes. Yes, you are, Bob Jones University. And so are the other white evangelical LDS and Catholic churches, schools, and colleges who are hurting queer kids now in the name of religion. White Christian supremacy may be winning the legal battles now, but they haven't always won them. They lost the Bob Jones University case, and they aren't the only ones who have been gearing up for the current fights for LGBTQ plus inclusion, safety, and dignity. People like me and Aaron and Chloe, we know their secrets. We know their tactics. We know their end game. We've learned our history. Tune in to the fourth and final episode of this limited series to discover what the kids are up to now and how you can help us spread our revolution and revival. Thanks for tuning in to On God's Campus, Voices from the Queer Underground. I'm your narrator, Chloe, alongside co-hosts Paul Carlos Southwick and Aaron Green. This podcast is a product of the Religious Exemption Accountability Project and is edited and produced by Crystal Cheatham from Our Bible App. Listen next time as On God's Campus examines the lessons history has to teach us about where predominantly white Christian educational institutions and the political machines backing them are taking the country now. <laughs>